BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Right on Hollywood with Christian Toto, part of the Just the News Podcast Network. Sick of media bias infecting film reviews? Furious that too many stars insult your views? Right on Hollywood has your back. Christian is an award-winning journalist, movie critic, and founder of HollywoodinToto.com, the right take on entertainment. Now here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to Right on Hollywood, a proud member of the Just the News Podcast Network. This week's show is brought to you by HBO Max's The Batman, giving audiences a reason to skip movie theaters since 2022. You know, I wrote a snarky column recently for Hollywood and Toto about a podcast interview with Samantha Bee and Michael Ian Black. She is the host of the mean-spirited Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. I could also say low-rated, but that's maybe punching down a little too hard. And he's a far-left comedian best known for the state. Now, Together, they show just how embedded in that liberal bubble they are. So, I, you know, I couldn't resist some snark. Uh, I'm only human. But their conversation lingered with me. I listened to much of the show, and I thought, something doesn't sit right with this. It's not just about disagreeing with them. I mean, half the country probably disagrees with my political views. My wife does. This was different. It made me sad. And I think it was the disconnect from reality that really struck me. Of course, the fact that they assume that their ideological opponents are monsters, that, that kind of hurt too. But I want to go to the first part first. That's the way things work out. It's all about addressing the elephant in the room. Why are President Joe Biden's poll numbers so bad? Well, they kind of sort of have the answer. Check it out. And people are very unhappy. Which I, which I actually don't really fully understand i understand people being unhappy about inflation Mm -hmm. but like the economy's going gangbusters which i mean is causing the inflation i guess but unemployment's low i feel like biden's doing as good a job as anybody could do like with the ukraine situation you know covid i feel like is in a better place than when the other guy was handling it right like I don't know why people are so, feel like we're on such the wrong track here. What planet are they living on because it's clearly not Earth? But next, they explain why the political divide today is so massive, so seemingly untenable, in a way that's very fair and very balanced. Just kidding. Is there any cause for hope? Like, does anything get you 
excited? Does anything in the political realm provide you with a spark of hope? I mean, I'm asking you to tell me what to be hopeful about, because sometimes I really don't know. Sometimes I really don't know. I'm thinking about it. I mean, you literally in 2012 did a political book with Meg McCain. Like, that was a time when you could imagine reaching across some type of, you know, some type of line. Yeah. To to collaborate. It it was a book called America, You Sexy Bitch. Mm -hmm. And uh, Megan and I, who, when we didn't know each other really at the time, we just sort of had a a very sort of, um, we barely met and we decided to write a book together. Right. And it was exactly that. It was, let's reach across the political aisle. Let's travel the country. Let's see what unites us. And we found a lot. Yeah. And it was when Romney was running against Obama. Right. Mittens. Mittens Romney. Mittens. And at the time, it felt like we were very divided, which is why we wrote the book. Right. And those feel like the halcyon days of yore compared to where we are now. It really feels like people do not even want to see any kind of political crossover. Like that's not on the, that's not on the, that's not on the table. No. I think for pretty understandable reasons. What's so upsetting is not so much that there's a political divide because of course there is, and there always has been, and there always will be. And I'm not sure that that's a bad thing. I mean, I think that's a Mm -hmm. good thing. That's what you want. You want political tension in any society. That's, that's healthy. But one of the parties has become just a lunatic asylum. Yeah. And it's not just that, although that's bad, it's that those voices are the ones getting most rewarded. Mm-hmm. And so it encourages everybody else in that party to, to join them. Doesn't that make you feel sad? You know, I, I have a lot of resentment about the far left at this point in our in our culture, looking across the landscape. I, I don't think I would say it quite like that. And I certainly would recognize that my own party has some flaws. Both parties tend to do that. Just amazing. And again, it made me feel just terrible for these two people to be so unaware of the world around them. And that brings me to Saturday Night Live. Now, I may have mentioned mentions before, but I used to love Saturday Night Live. When I was a kid, I would try desperately to stay up late at night just to watch the show. No VCRs, no TiVos, no nothing. You had to watch it live. And I couldn't because I kept falling asleep. But I loved the show when I was able to stay up. It was irreverent. It was crazy. It was funny. It was cutting edge. Exactly what it is in today. Now, I know it's hard to kind of keep that level of intensity after year after year it's been on for four plus decades but gosh they have really fallen down on the job but this particular episode this is a clip from weekend update their faux news situation again not funny but it made me feel a little sad too elon musk offered to buy twitter for over 40 billion dollars so he can loosen its free speech rules that's how badly white guys want to use the (laughs) n-word Now, that joke is mean-spirited, full stop. And it's not funny in part because there's no truth behind it. You know, when it comes to political humor, you've got to have a kernel of truth, of reason, of, oh, my gosh, they're making a point for it to be effective. And that joke has none of that. Now, conservatives have genuine outrage about big tech censorship, highlighted by what's going on in Twitter 24-7. 
Now, I could go on and on about this, but suffice to say, people on the right or people who question authority or people who question the narrative are getting silenced or censored or both. And then people on the left who are doing much, much worse, nothing happens to them. So what do they think that we're worried about on the right? What is Saturday Night Live? What is their rationale for that joke? They think that we want to use vile racial slurs and get away with it online. That's our modus operandi. It's not a factor. It's not in the least. It's vicious to think that, let alone try to tell a joke about it. Now, again, I'm not clutching my pearls. I'm not saying it should be banned or canceled. It just makes no sense whatsoever. But that's comedy today, certainly political comedy. It's also a a kind of a tragic peek into the far-left window that dominates our culture, whether it's Saturday Night Live, whether it's Samantha Bee, whether it's a mainstream comedian like Michael Ian Black. Is it any wonder we're angrier at our fellow Americans today, more so than at any time I can remember? Not an accident, not at all. You're listening to my dad's podcast. He cried like a baby watching Snoopy come home. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This week's Toto's take is bodied. This film from 2018 really kind of snuck under the radar. I think it had some, made some noise in the festival circuit, then got released and really not much attention, not much box office for sure. And it's one of those films just five years later, pretty sure you'd struggle to get this into theaters, maybe even getting a green lit in any capacity. It's one of those movies. Now, the film follows a white college student who's investigating battle rap. It's a culture I don't know much about, honestly, but I learned a little bit about it from the film. And its use of the N-word in these battle rap contests. Kind of interesting, right? Now, this particular character falls in a rabbit hole of, I guess you'd say, cultural appropriation because he starts getting into battle raps himself and winning more than a few. It's really smart. It's interesting. It investigates outrage culture, looks into academia, freedom of speech, rap music. There's a lot of stuff in this movie. It's also very entertaining, too, so that's first and foremost. I have to say, I'm kind of bummed that the director of the film, Joseph Kahn, hasn't made a movie since then. He actually snarked about it recently on Twitter. I follow him. He's a bit of a provocateur, interesting guy, smart guy, certainly hard to pigeonhole, whether he's left, right, in the middle, who knows what, but... I, I just, when you watch Body, do you think, I want to see what else he has to say. I, I'm curious about it. This guy's got a voice. He's got something, uh, an intensity behind him that I'd like to kind of see more. More stories, more narratives. What else he got? But I'll have to wait on that in particular. Now, you also may have to pay to see this one. As far as I know, I checked JustWatch.com, which is a great place to see which films are streaming where. I didn't see it in major streaming outlets. So if you're a Netflix guy, a Hulu gal, you're probably not going to find it. You can look at a site called Canopy. That's Canopy with a K. It plugs into the public library system, and that's one way you may be able to access Bodied. But whether you're paying for it, checking it out via Canopy, I really think you should give it a try. It's good stuff. I can't imagine what's more 
just absolutely horrifying is then trying to start a YouTube channel today. The market is absolutely flooded with channels covering just about everything and anything. And of course, you have to smash that like button and punch that subscribe button. You know, you get that kind of language because there is so much competition out there. So why would you even get in the space? It just seems almost impossible. But, well, Brett Cooper did it, and she did more than try to get into the space. She is crushing it. Now, this new Daily Wire star hit the ground running with her show. It's called The Comments Section. I love that title, by the way. It's really clever. Within weeks, she was getting tens of thousands of views on her videos, sometimes in a matter of days, even hours. Ah, Just amazing. She clearly clicked with the public. She's got something here. It's pretty easy to see why she's so successful so quickly, so fast out of the gate. She's smart. She's a little bit snarky. She's wise behind her years. She seems like a very young person. But she's also open-minded. She's not just flinging red meat at the at the audience. She's got something to say, a great perspective. And, of course, to me, the sweet spot in any cultural commentator, common sense. She's got a lot of it. Very good stuff. Here's a quick sample of what I'm talking about. As every president does, Biden had a lot of appearances this week. However, unlike most other presidents, he embarrassed our country at basically every single one. Mr. Wise Guy over here. Part of me hates saying that because I genuinely don't know how much of this behavior Biden can control. Like, it is truly painful watching a clearly sick geriatric man being propped up like a puppet by his family and all the Democrat masterminds. It's, it's really kind of sad when we think about it. But uh, does that mean that I'm going to ignore all of his gaffes and not use them for content? Absolutely not. When you hear that poise, when you hear that delivery, you know it's not a shock that she's an overnight sensation on YouTube. That's why I invited her on the show to talk about that journey and also to find out why she is doing this now in her career. She was actually doing some pretty significant work behind the scenes and in front of the camera in Hollywood, La La Land. She was doing what a lot of kids her age wanted to do. They dreamed of being an actress, of being successful, and she was doing it. But then she said, this is not for me. I don't think I want to go in this direction. I don't think I'm really comfortable with what's going on in Hollywood. And that's why now she's a YouTube sensation for Daily Wire. So you're going to find out much more about her journey, why I think, and I think she thinks too, she might be heading back into Hollywood on her terms this time, and much more in this conversation. I hope you enjoy my chat with a very talented very promising young woman, Brett Cooper. Brett, thanks for joining the show. I want to take a really quick trip through your Hollywood story. It's funny, I yes. have a f- good friend who worked in Hollywood, had, had gigs, was you know steadily employed, and then mm-hmm. the industry just wore him down. He was offered a role that was just so against his values, and he thought, this is not for me. So I don't know if there was a single moment there, but real quickly, just tell me maybe the, the best part of your Hollywood experience, and then when it dawned on you that this is just not doesn't work with you doesn't feel right to be in this industry Mm -hmm. you know I I loved acting and I still do um and regardless of the values that I clearly disagree with I loved almost every moment of my career I started acting when I was about seven years old I worked in Atlanta and New York primarily in theater and then moved out to Los Angeles where I worked in film and television and the people that I met were exceptional and I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that I got to work professionally as a child doing something that I just loved. I was able to turn my hobby into a profession at a very young age, which is something that not a lot of people get to do. And I'm very grateful for that. And I do not take that for granted at all. And it truly is, you know, 
the thing that I love most. And so I was able for many years to push aside and push through the fact that, you know, some of the roles that I would audition for and the people that I was working with were clearly, you know, had different values and opinions and things that I was raised with. And I think I started to really notice a discrepancy there and start to feel it, you know, personally and feel like I was compromising myself when I was late teens going into college. I worked on a show called Heathers. It was the Paramount television reboot of the cult classic with Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. And we were making kind of an anti-woke version of Heathers rather than the Heathers being three skinny blonde girls. It was a body positive girl, a non-binary person, all of this stuff. And it was too anti-woke for Hollywood. And they ended up scrapping it and they cut out a lot of the television show and they gave it a really quiet release. And this show had gotten so much press during production. And it was supposed to be like the whole cast's big break. We were so excited for it. And it was scrapped like it was nothing. And after that, I just realized the power that this industry has to just completely take over your life and change the direction. You really have no control over anything. And the fact that a project could be completely, you know, pulled because it was making people uncomfortable. It's like, this is... This is never going to be something that I can fully subscribe to. So I think that's the long-winded version of it. No, that's great. And it, it sounds like it was not a matter of uh, the script wasn't working or the character development wasn't there, mm -hmm. which are legitimate complaints about any kind of show or movie where you could say, okay, this project didn't come together like we thought, but there was a, sort of a different value setup that was not, not working within the industry. Can you give maybe one more example of something either that you worked on directly or even a project mm -hmm. you were familiar with where you could see the ideology seeping in? Again, not about story, not about characters, but like we yep. need to send a message and this is how we're doing it. Because I think those things are mm -hmm. fascinating for people. Yes. So I was pinned for a Netflix movie. It was and pinned in the industry. Uh, it goes back to, you know, I don't want to say the olden days, but before everything was digitalized, when actors were auditioning and they would get down to like the final two or three and they would pin your headshots up on a cork board and say, we're going to pick from these three. We're going to offer it to one going to be between these three you know men or women and so I was pinned for a Netflix movie it was originally a um a musical and then it was it was optioned to Netflix and they were going to make a film about it and I was auditioning for the lead uh role which was a teenage girl and she throughout the process of the film comes out as lesbian which I was fine with I don't mind I was okay playing a lesbian character that was not something that I was you know aghast about it's acting I'm playing things that are not myself and I was pinned for it. And the producers of the film called my agents and asked, is Brett actually gay? <laughs> and at the time I was 17. So I was not even a legal adult. And they were asking about my sexuality. And my agents were so taken aback by it. They called my manager. My manager then called my mother, called me. I was working my like after school job. Uh, that I had in Los Angeles. And my mom was texting me saying, these people are asking about your sexuality and your agents don't know what to say. And I was like, well, in my head, I was like, don't tell them anything. They have no right to be asking me this. But before I had been able to say that, my agent had just said, no, I, I think she's straight. And in my point of view, I would have loved to say, how dare you ask a child about her sexuality. But in the end, I was pulled from the project. I was not hired because I was not, I mean, maybe there were other factors involved, but I was removed 
because I was not actually gay. And so it's just kind of laughable because in acting, we're supposed to be playing things that are, are not us. And that's the beauty of that is that we get to explore so many different characters and situations and given circumstances. And now it's like, if you want to be an actor, you need to be that exact character. You need to be representing that community. Yeah, that that story is shocking on on quite a few levels. I, could, I think we could have an hour long chat just on it, but we'll, we'll definitely move on. But it's, <laughs> it's an amazing example. Uh, when you were, I want to get to your, your your new show in a second, but mm-hmm. when you're yeah. behind the scenes, when you're working in this industry, did you find yeah. like minded actors who maybe didn't agree with everything that you believed, but were just a little taken aback by what was happening in the industry, but maybe were afraid to speak out? Yes, for sure. Uh, I still have a couple of close friends in Hollywood, the people that have not completely shunned me, who do agree. However, they are, it's, they're terrified. And so a lot of them won't even follow my political account or subscribe to my new Daily Wire YouTube channel or anything like that for fear that a fan of theirs or something, somebody like that will find out that they follow a conservative even though they're friends with me and they're, you know, photographed with me, they just do not want to be attached to that. Even down to the fact that some of them, you know, voted Democrat in the last election, because what if their voting records were leaked and every job was stripped from them? I mean, the fear runs rampant. And it's sad because these people truly feel like they need to put this ridiculous industry above their values. And, but all that being said, there are some more right-leaning, free-thinking people in Hollywood Sadly, not as many as there were a few years ago, about maybe, you know, 2017, 2018, there was a little more common sense. And even, you know, people on my team would kind of make jokes about the fact that it's like, Brett, come on, you're a straight white girl. There's no roles for you right now. And we could laugh about that. And now if I made that joke with my team, it would be like, how dare you? Um, So there's definitely in the past couple of years has been a very big shift. So it's harder to find them, but I promise they're out there. They're just not speaking up. Yeah, the fear thing is something that we can't say enough. The fact that people are afraid yep. to share an opinion. It's not like saying, I like Hitler. It's like saying, I prefer to yeah. vote a different way. And that's beyond yeah. the pale. So that's that's really shocking. Uh, let's talk yeah. about the comments section. A huge hit mm-hmm. out of the gate. That is not easy. Obviously, you've, no. got, you've got the skills. You've got a poise <laughs> that belies your age. You just seem like you've been doing this for 50 years, even though you're so young. <laughs> w- why do you think it's clicked with audiences right away? I mean, I, I know there's a lot of different reasons, but mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it's, it's hard to get out of the gate so fast like you have and you've done it. What, what's sort of the, uh, what do you, the sense you get about why this click connected right away? Yeah, it has been shocking. So we just hit 100,000 subscribers, which wow. we did in three weeks. We hit that on Monday. I think now we are almost at 130K just two days later. So it is growing really fast. We did no paid advertisements for it or anything like that. So it truly has, you know, we've had some support with Daily Wire social posts and that kind of thing. But Truly, it has been very organic growth, which has shocked us all, but it's humbling and it's exciting. And I think, you know, as a young person coming from, you know, a more Gen Z perspective and being on the right side of the aisle, people my age and even a little older in the millennial sphere, especially, we're just hungry for entertainment and casual content that is not woke. That's kind of a cliche to say. But everywhere that we go, whether it's TikTok or Twitter or Instagram, if we're just watching YouTube, if we're turning on Netflix, whatever we're doing, it's all propaganda, which we know. So it is so hard to find commentary and entertainment that is not overtly political, but that still shares our values. And so I think with the comment section, 
we touch on politics. I'll react to some political things sometimes. You can clearly tell that I'm, you know, more right leaning. Um, but it's also palatable because it's not a 45 minute, you know, breakdown of the news. It's not intense. I'm not ranting. I'm I. One thing I really work on with the show is being positive and not trying to tear people down or shove something, you know, shove my ideology down people's throat. It's truly just commenting from a conservative point of view. Yeah, that's so I think I, that combination, mm -hmm. you know, has been has been received very well. Uh, that's an interesting point, and I noticed that in one of your recent videos about Lizzo. I thought that you could have gone mm -hmm. in a lot of different directions, but the way you handled yourself and the way you kind of steered the conversation was definitely not to be sort of snarky and mean and quick and quipping, but actually had a little mm -hmm. more substance and a little bit more, uh, like you said, it was a little more positive. You know, I, you, you're with The Daily Wire. The Daily Wire has your back. You're an outspoken mm -hmm. person. And still being on YouTube today comes with risks where you don't know what you say may be getting you banned or censored or yeah, given a warning. Of it, it, I, I, I get the sense that you're pretty savvy about navigating that, but can maybe share a little bit about how you, the mindset you approach with that in mind. I mean, what, what's, how do you prepare for that? You're trying to be creative and speak freely mm -hmm. and have opinions. At the same time, it's in the back of your mind knowing that the big tech may not like what you have to say. <laughs> Of course. I think one thing that the Daily Wire really offers is that we have just such an exceptional social team that knows the ins and outs of these platforms. Mm -hmm. And so I know that there are some things that if I say, I will immediately get taken down, especially on YouTube. And every platform has different things that, you know, if you talk about this on TikTok, they'll give you a content strike. If you talk about this on YouTube, whatever. And I think it's important not to shy away from those topics for mm -hmm. fear of getting banned, but it also, it's just like, let's be, you know, tactful about how I say this. And I don't want to be reactionary and I don't want to be inflammatory with my language, which is, I think, a pitfall that many conservatives fall into, um, where it's just, it's hard to know what big tech will take down. So it's important to, without censoring yourself, without self-censoring, making sure that you're speaking in a manner that, you know, mm -hmm can be well received by people if they're you know coming at you with malintent trying to get you taken down but it is it's a very hard line to walk but i think the fact that i truly do try to be positive on the show i do try to find the humor i think that's what we need it helps um and it, it's at least for now we have not faced anything mm -hmm. too dire when it comes to big tech and there's a lot to laugh at in the world today so that, that makes exactly. your job a little easier uh, i was kind of exactly. curious about the reactions you know once you kind of are out in the public space, especially in our digital landscape. There's mm -hmm. lots of reactions, good, bad, and in between. What would have been some of the more interesting reactions to the show so far? Things maybe either didn't expect or, or angles that people picked out about your show that you didn't see directly, but maybe were working subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Well, the first and the biggest, which is kind of the running joke, is that I look like Ben Shapiro, but I'm the female Ben Shapiro. Uh -huh. uh, I get that comment almost every single day. I did not know. They did not uh, even realized that when they hired me, when they brought me on to do the show, it was not something that they were thinking about, but the audience has said, oh my God, the eyebrows, the mannerisms. So apparently I somehow am likened to him, but that of course is the biggest one, but actually getting down to the meat of things. The thing that has surprised me the most is when we were developing the show and when I was thinking about the type of content that I wanted to do and how I wanted to approach topics, I had my generation in mind, uh, which is Gen Z. But there has been an incredible response from parents and grandparents whose kids are watching the show, whether it's their college students, their high schoolers, whatever, but they're also enjoying it and they are just relieved 
that there is content out there for the young people in their lives that is not woke. Mm. And I mean, I expected that my peers would enjoy it, but there is just this sense of like, oh my gosh, thank goodness there's something that I know that if my kids are going to be on YouTube for hours on end, they can at least binge this. Um, and it's been, it's been really sweet. And I get messages from people all the time. Like, oh my God, my 19 year old daughter has been watching your videos like all night long. I can hear it from her bedroom after I like send it over to her. Um, and that's been, that's been really exciting. Yeah. That's like, a, it's like you're providing an oasis for people who are uh, starved or, or at least thirsty for something that's <laughs> new and fresh. And exactly. Unwoke. Uh, you, you mentioned you started acting at seven. It's obviously been a big part mm -hmm. of your life and you've transitioned for now away but obviously, mm -hmm. the Daily Wire is in the is in you know when Hollywood as well. There are other projects coming around. Do you see yourself steering back into that landscape as well, or do you think this is your new sort of endeavor? Or what, any thoughts on that regard? I would not put it out of the question that I would go back to it. Like I said at the beginning, there's nothing that I love more than acting and the entertainment industry. As crazy as it is. I think that there's great power in entertainment, which is something that Daily Wire is really harnessing right now, because whether we want to admit it or not, we don't, you know, our culture is not shaped through literature anymore or the great thinkers. It is, it is shaped through, uh, you know, whatever we're watching on television or in movies. And so there's great power and the left has dominated that. And it's really exciting that Daily Wire is getting into the game. And I will always love it. And if the opportunity arises, I would absolutely go back and do some other projects. But for now, this feels like what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm still getting to be on camera. I'm still getting to engage with people. I'm getting to tell stories in a very unique way. So it feels like the right place for right now. Excellent. When you think about the culture right now, pop culture, you know, I think we'll be talking about the infamous slap for days, weeks, if not months. <laughs> of Are there trends you're seeing that maybe aren't getting enough attention, culturally speaking, and I guess pop culture more specifically, that you sense out there through the experience you've had and maybe just sort of reading social media, kind of the tea leaves, that we'll probably be talking much more about in five to six months? Anything like that, that you've kind of, that's on your radar that you think people aren't picking up on? I think people on the right are picking up on this, but the left is turning a blind eye for now. The amount of comedians, some commentators, and people in entertainment that are speaking up about whether it be censorship or freedom or COVID, like Russell Brand um, is a big one, Joe Rogan, who was speaking up, a lot of these comedians, there's a shift where a lot of these people that are really influential that have always, you know, pushed, you know, pushed their boundaries a little bit, have always been a bit edgier, are being ballsy enough to start questioning things in a very public manner. Now, whether they've done that privately, who knows? But people are speaking out. And I think the left is just doing their normal tactic of like, oh, this person's crazy. They're a conspiracy theorist. But I think it's really important, especially with comedians um, and people on YouTube, like just think about the Nelk boys and who has their full send podcast. They got taken off of uh, their interview with Trump, got taken off of YouTube, but they also interviewed Candace Owens. There just are these big cultural figures in entertainment that are slowly starting to step into the political sphere. And I think it's going to be a rude awakening for the left if that continues to start happening. Yeah, and I think the traction that Russell Brand has had is stunning. I watch his numbers, his mm -hmm. subscriber count just jump every day. And uh, yep. he's, <laughs> you go back five, ten years, you'll see his comments. I mean, he's he's to the left of Karl Marx at times, but he understands yep. what's going on with big tech, the culture, and censorship, and I, I applaud him for that. Uh, Brett, one last question. It, it seems almost yeah. unfair to ask because you've kind of got such, such a fast start here, but when you think about the comments section, 
do you have plans for it to grow, to expand different topics? I mean, it's your baby now. It's brand new. It's mm-hmm. doing very well. Do you do you kind of look ahead to a year or two where you think, oh, I'd like to go in this direction, or is it too soon? What's what's sort of your sense about the show and it's uh it's maybe the next twelve months? Right now, we are still, you know, working out all the kinks, you know, <laughs> making sure that our team is well oiled, figuring out what works, what does not, and it has. I was just talking with my editor about this this morning. We were looking at like what topics have done well, like what should we start gearing towards? What do I like doing the most? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we were laughing because our, you know, docket of content that we've put out is still so small, but the numbers are so huge. So we have these like drastic, you know, trends that we're looking at from a very, you know, small puddle of content. But regardless of that, we are thinking ahead. I'm wanting to expand into different types of videos. We're doing more live streams, maybe doing more long form reactions, like the more typical streamer type things, whether it be me reacting to television shows, movies, playing video games, that kind of thing. And then maybe moving into more long form podcast content, but we're going to keep expanding this kind of comment section, social media brand. We do have big plans. We're just trying to figure them out and iron out the details. Well, I have to say, as someone who's watching the videos, I don't see any kinks at all. It looks like a well-oiled machine, so uh, bravo to that. <laughs> I'm but, glad uh, to hear it. <laughs> well, Brett, thank you for joining Right on Hollywood. And, of course, if you're not watching the comments section with Brett Cooper, you're missing one of the biggest uh, YouTube breakaway hits in quite some time. The show's a smash, and it's a must-view for anyone who's worried about the culture wars or just wants to be informed, entertained, without getting that finger wagged in your direction. So, Brett, all the best, and I uh, hope we talk again. Yes, thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to Right on Hollywood, part of the Just the News podcasting family. Well, this weekend I'm heading for a little bit of surgery. Nothing cataclysmic, but I think it's going to be a good excuse just to sit back, relax, watch some favorite films, maybe reflect on things a little bit. I've become kind of a workaholic these days. I've got this podcast. I've got my website, hollywoodintoto.com. I do a lot of freelance work. I'm kind of doing a lot of things behind the scenes to market all the things that I do. I'm exhausted. I'm actually looking forward to the forced break. If those pain medications, legal, of course, kick in as uh, expected. So I hope you're Thanks enjoying good health, right good Hollywood memories, podcast, and good friendships. Part of the Just and the News Network. Try to keep remember, to hear from you about the show. Remembering that you can email to share that message to Hollywood and Toto. Think about it myself. And please Not don't forget to rate and review us at well. Apple Podcasts. Uh, because Five star reviews make more. our day. Tenderness, a little bit more understanding, reaching out to other people. People I don't agree with. Love to have a cup of coffee, maybe a pint of beer sometime too, because that's what it's all about. Let's not be like Michael Ian Black and Samantha B. Let's be better than that. Thank you for listening, and we'll circle back next week.